You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm one of your hosts this morning, Mark Holcraft, joined by... Roxanne Solonen. We are happy to be with you this Monday morning. Uh, we're just going to wrap up quickly our conversation before we go into our guests, because we were talking about really this idea of the spirit of the world, uh, whereas the Holy Spirit, you know, and living a life under this banner of consecration. And I know Roxanne, she was talking about her experience last week, praying at the abortion facility, but she also had a, a recent experience, too, being in touch with one of the sisters. And I think this is just a, it's a great reflection of the contrast that we're going to be discussing throughout the morning. Yeah, um, I have a beautiful, tender relationship with the Carmelite sisters in Wapaton. They've given me safe harbor in times they've had big writing projects and just need to get away and come apart, they, they call it. And so, um, but I was, I was texting Mother Madonna this morning uh, about something and, and she reminded me, she said, today is my 33rd anniversary of entrance into Carmel. And she told me she was telling Jesus this morning that she wishes she could tell the whole world the great news. And, and she just is totally blessed beyond words, and we are totally blessed. We have no idea, even if you've never met her or have never been to the Carmelite Monastery, it is a beautiful refuge and and a light, right? It's a light, yeah, like you were saying, and talk about consecration. They are they are praying for us, um, for our whole, all everyone out there. Uh, and so it's just, I just wanted to say congratulations to Mother Madonna this morning and thank her for her yes to, to God. Agreed, agreed. And congratulations, Mother Madonna. Um, but thank you. Thank you for your yes. I, I have a sister who is a uh, discalced Carmelite in California, uh, near, the, near Sacramento, Georgetown. And I have come to just really love and appreciate uh, the Carmelites. And it certainly has helped me to understand that some of the Carmel way. So even when you mentioned in just the word Carmel, like there's kind of a new meaning with that. Um, so thank you and uh, congratulations. So I'm I'm glad, Roxanne, thanks for mentioning that. You bet. Uh, This morning, we are joined by our guest, Christopher Dodson, who is with the Catholic Conference. Uh, Good morning, Christopher. Good morning. Uh, We're excited to have you. And, and of course, the hot topic these days, um, for those, if you're paying attention to any news, whatever whatever medium (laughs) you're, you're listening to, of course, it's the leak of the Supreme Court that seems to have just set a fire and not necessarily always in a good way right um and so we'd love to just get some clarity uh, what is that what's what's the situation what's the deal i think this is one of the gifts of real presence radio is really trying to shine a light on what's the real news here versus so many different versions that's that can be skewed you know what i'm saying right so uh, i think i think there's two points here that we can look at and that is, that is the real news. The first news is the leak and not the draft opinion. The draft opinion is just a draft. Um, justices circulate drafts sometimes multiple times and even change their opinions on the very last day before it's released. We know Roberts has done that in the past. Um, but so I, I wouldn't, I don't think we should focus so much on what the draft opinion says. What we should focus is, is on one this terrible leak. It was a breach of trust um, in one of our most uh, important institutions as an attorney. I, I was offended to hear that that could happen. Um, it's, it's kind of like 
um, violating the attorney-client privilege, which I would never do, and I can't believe someone in that institution did basically something like that to persons they work for. And Christopher, um, I'm just, I just want to ask, and, and frankly, it might be almost a dumb question, but I, I, we gotta, I just want to ask him because I just want to toss it out there and just get that clarity, the clean slate. Does this have anything to do as far as, as you share not just your opinion, but your professional expertise in this, does this have anything to do with, like, if you're, if you're a, liberal, a liberal justice, a conservative justice, um, the professionalism of, of what is called for amongst judges, the leak, does that have anything to do if you're liberal or conservative? I don't think so. There's actually two theories about who this person might have been, and one is that it might have been a conservative clerk, and the other is that it might have been a so-called liberal clerk or somebody with liberal leanings um, elsewhere in the institution. And both both ideas make some sense, um, but we'll know eventually. There's only about 50 people who work in that building. Sure. It's going to be hard to keep this a secret forever. Um I, th- I think the other thing we have learned from this is the other side has not been paying attention. Um, the opinion, if it came out the way it did, should not have been any surprise based on the oral arguments or the long history of Roe being a mess constitutionally. Um, Justice Ginsburg thought it was a wrong decision, even. Um, liberal um, legal scholars have said Roe was a wrong decision. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that eventually it would be overturned. Um, So this um, visceral, ugly reaction we're seeing from the pro-abortion rights people um, is surprising in that respect. And um, tells us sort of what the political reaction will be. And so far, none of it has been very reasoned or even focusing really on the opinion. It's been very, I think, gut level. Um, But, you know, this is in God's hands, and maybe things will quell down, and it won't be such a surprise when the decision comes out, if it comes out the way it looks in that draft opinion. Sure. In the meantime, it's, it's... not a surprise to anybody in the pro-life community that this was coming. We were talking Don't earlier about them. yeah, we were talking earlier about the spirit of the world, and I, I like to think I'm a logical person, and things kind of have to make sense <laughs> right, to me. Right. Um, but it seems like the tactic, kind of, of the spirit of the world is to just sow confusion and not be logical. It's just all about emotion, and so it kind of makes sense what you're saying here that they're they're not really. They, they do know, I think. I think the other side does does know that this was coming, um, but they're not choosing to put that out there as, as the narrative, it seems to me. I, I just feel like it comes back to the spirit of the world and how that operates, which isn't logical, right? And, and Christopher, I don't know if you were able to catch any part of the show this morning just before you came on, but Roxanne was just sharing about, even locally here in Fargo, an experience she had uh, regarding praying in front of the abortion facility in Fargo, and um, there was physical, uh, it, it got physical and that she got punched. Um, and this is a little bit like there, there's a, there is a reaction right now. You know, it seems, Christopher, right. that the, the leak has kind of, um, it's almost in some eyes created an action. 
And so there is a violent reaction. And it does seem to be, in this case, uh, so many stories that have come out pointing to uh, the side that is really the, the pro-choice side, if you want to say it that way. Um, and I say, if you want to say it, I mean, that, that's just what it is. Um, it's a violent reaction. Can you, I mean, can you just say more from, from your end of things? Well, um, I did hear part of that from Roxanne's story, and it's happened to me. I've been spit upon, and uh, my wife was assaulted back when she was pregnant. Um, I, I, what I take away from that when it happens is there's so much sadness in that person. Yeah. Um, if they only knew God's love, uh, because it's it's one of those visceral, angry things that's due to them being hurt. And they have a story we don't know. And I think in many ways that's, that's our challenge. We need to understand uh, better the women who have had abortions, the women who think they will need abortions, uh, women who are just have a knee-jerk reaction to anything that's Christian from something that happened to them in the past. Um, you know, it's a constant challenge for us to hear their stories and and share share the gospel with them in a way. Um, that, well, it always comes with praying. We, we can't do it ourselves. We pray that their hearts are open and they listen and they heal. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the same. And it's um, it's the same challenge I think to dealing as we deal with the women who think abortion is the answer and the women who are getting abortions, and we need to know them better. Well, and I, I find what you're saying, there's something very important here. When you said getting to know their story, we want, we authentically want to know their story. What led to this moment? What has led to you to believe that this is a viable option, you know, to have an abortion? You know, Christopher, we have just a couple minutes left before the break. Um, I want to jump back to the Dobbs decision. What are we as Catholics called to do? You know, in in regards like to respond to leaks or rumors surrounding the case, what are we as Catholics? What would you recommend for us to do? Pray for the justices. Pray for our <laughs> nation. That's the most important thing. Um, and there are, I've, there's almost so many now that I can't keep track of. But there's various novenas for the Dobbs decision and um, different different programs out there for the Dobbs decision. And I think um, it's also a call to us to be ready. Um, just like the other side um, seems surprised by the possible decision, um, it's time for us to sharpen our arguments, sharpen our efforts, sharpen our responses, sharpen our uh, ministry of love. Um, this, is, this could be coming down uh, next month. They may even move it up now, but within the next couple months. So in sharpening our responses, um, when you say that, meaning know what we're talking about, are you suggesting that it's really important for us to know what we're talking about when it comes to not the court case or just even like when does life actually start? Can you be a little bit, a little bit more specific? Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's all of it. I think we sometimes forget the best arguments, um, about abortion um, on why it's wrong, about how human life develops. Um, I, I keep I tell I tell people in the Christian pro life community, you got to look at secular pro life 
they have a great blog, and they make great logical arguments. There, uh, we find them online, and so that gets our sort of our scientific and logical skills sharpened. At the same time, we need to sharpen how we reach out to people and love and what we do in our crisis pregnancy centers, our adoption agencies, and our families, and our businesses, and how we treat uh, pregnant women and working mothers and so on. We need to all sort of step up our game in everything we do, and, it's, and, that, and then in our prayer life as well. Continue to pray for all mothers, for all children. Uh, this, whatever happens to the abortion decision, the perceived problem out there is not going away. Yeah, no. women will. Yeah, and I that's think, what we need to be ready to address. I think that's. I think that's well said. And Christopher, we've got to take a break right now. If you're just joining us, uh, Real Presence Radio. We're talking to uh, Christopher Dotson of the North Dakota Catholic Conference, and we're, our discussion is surrounding the leak. And I really, I, I feel like that's all that needs to be said. <laughs> Quotations, the leak. So we'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm one of the hosts, Mark Holcraft, joined with Roxanne Sullinan, and we're talking to Christopher Dodson for the North Dakota Catholic Conference. We're talking about the leak, but actually, just before the break, 
what we were discussing was just the importance to know the story, you know, to know the story in particular of the woman who is really considering that abortion, all the pressures, whatever those pressures might be. Um, but we want, we want to come back to in the second half in our time with Christopher, it was, uh, I, I want to pick up from there in the sense of the bishops are saying something very similar, Christopher, and you had mentioned that um, the Know Them, Love Them campaign. What is that? You know, we have been gathering statistical information on women who in North Dakota who get abortions for some time, anticipating that this decision could be coming down. Um, and we discussed with the, I discussed with the bishops, you know, maybe the first step, if Dobbs is really going to happen the way we want it to, is we have about 830 women in North Dakota that we need to step up and help or they're going to try to get abortions elsewhere. They're going to across the state. Uh, because if abortion is banned in North Dakota because of the trigger ban, uh, just about every abortion would be uh, prohibited. But the perceived need for abortion in these women's minds is still going to be there. Sure. So let's look at who they are. And so we've been gathering the data and then launching it in, in different ways. Um, I've done a number of talks. We're using social media. We're using e-news newsletters, um, and about give about thirteen or so basic facts about these women, what we know about them, because we have good data from the Department of Health. Um, and then I just saw today, while I'm here, uh, right before I got on the air, the Fargo Forum uh, interviewed me and um, did a story, not necessarily on the campaign, but about the same information: who are these women? And, I glanced at it, and it looks like it's accurate information, so people can go there, too. But the idea is, uh, let's get to know them, uh, who they are, their race, their uh, their race, their age, etc., so we can better serve them. Everything from in public policy um, and the abortion alternatives program, which is run through the state, to the private sector, to our churches, to our businesses, uh, to our families. I feel like we do have quite a bit to work with. I, and the pro-life movement, I think, has been... Obviously, there's more work to do, but I'm, I'm heartened by the, the pregnancy resource centers and, and different things like that that are popping up and growing and the, the outpouring of, of gifts and love for that. You the can, support for these organizations, yeah, for sure. to walk yeah. into a pregnancy... We, we, Mm-hmm. We, we do a wonderful job, and abortions have been dropping for some time, and I'm sure that's part of the case. I think, let's be a little honest, though, these are the women that we miss. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the women that w- we miss because they got abortions. So I'll, I'll run through some of the stats, what we know about them. And these are North Dakota women, and uh, about 830 women in North Dakota uh North Dakota residents get abortions. Another 50 or so go to Minnesota every year. But I can't get the statistical data beyond that from Minnesota. So most of my data has to do with the North Dakota residents that get abortions in North Dakota. The typical woman is white. She's in her 20s. Very, very, very few teens get abortions in North Dakota. Very few teens tend to get pregnant in North Dakota. Um, Overwhelmingly, they're unmarried. Um, 
but the majority of them have children. I think sometimes in the pro-life movement, we don't think that. We think that they haven't experienced the joys of motherhood. You know, they, if they had only experienced and understood how wonderful children were, they wouldn't have abortion. These women know. They've, they have children. Um, so they're unmarried but have children. They've all mostly graduated high school and most have some college. Um, they're more likely to live in the Fargo area. And they are in their first trimester. Uh, very early, usually about 8 to 12 weeks is when they get their abortion. And a few other stats we know, for example, is that if you're black, you're more disproportionately higher, yeah, disproportionately higher chance you're going to get abortion. Um, if you're unmarried, it's disproportionately higher. Um, again, if you live in the Fargo area, even if they're, if, that is, if the the rate of abortions for pregnant women in the Fargo area is higher than the general population, if that makes sense. Sure. So, like, the proximity of an abortion clinic actually is probably one of the reasons women get abortions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... It doesn't surprise me as a regular advocate down there um, that we see many car seats in the vehicles when we go and talk. Many. So, that... Maybe it's surprising to some, but not for not to us. And in fact, you know, we can understand that we know as mothers ourselves, as parents, that it is a great, like, there's a lot going on when you're accepting a life. And so I understand that burden, I guess I would say, but at the same yeah. time, it's hard to, to square that with, with what you gain. You know, that's right, the hard thing. Right. How do we put it? Go ahead, Chris. Well, it makes you think about, you know, uh, what do we need to do? These are usually unmarried women. Right. So they're unmarried mothers. Um, what do we need to do better to help uh, single mothers um, in what we do in our businesses and our policies um, within our families? Uh, we need to rethink some of these things sometimes. I think what you see there um, in the, uh, the car seats, the child seats in the cars, I'm not sure many legislators would know that. I'm not mm-hmm. sure many people in our pews would know that, that are pro-life. So I think we, part of this is getting the information out so we can do a better job as the next step, uh, to know them, to love them. Because what we know about every one of these women is that they're loved by God. Every one of them, them and their unborn children. And we all need to step up and love them like our Father loves them. That's that's the one thing they all have in common. I have a question too. Would would promoting marriage also be another part of that? I know that seems like maybe a a little bit of a step or two removed from those immediate needs, but to begin to and because no, I think even I some think of the single right ones, I, I would say some of them even have boyfriends, but maybe just that there's not that irreplaceable circle of irreplaceability that's been put in place through marriage. Well, certainly one of the things that stands out to me in Christopher, as you were talking and giving out some of those statistics, you know, it, it was the, the, not just that it was unmarried, you know, but just, you know, you start to dig in a little bit, you start to peel back some of the layers, you know, the, I don't know if just to see it for what it is. Okay. There's men that are not committing, you know, there's men here that are not committing, you know, it's easy to jump in to say they're scared they're, you know, they're, they're, 
the inability, and it can almost be easy to point a finger to, to say more, but I think it's just important to just acknowledge, okay, somewhere within all this, there's just a, not a non-committal from men. And I realize that's pretty general. There's more there, but go yeah. ahead. I, I think you guys, I think you're both right, and you're on some, onto something here, and that's why this data helps. Um, again, decisions in a, go through a woman's, woman's mind in these situations are very multifactored. And just, and, and um, issues why a woman becomes pregnant is multifactored too. But as I mentioned earlier, we have very few teens. That's because North Dakota has a very low teenage pregnancy rate. It has dropped dramatically in numbers, in stats, in rates. But then we don't have the same success for 20-year-olds. Why is that? People are always asking, why is that? The only thing I can come up with is we have done a good job at um, better than other states. Because remember, we don't provide contraception to kids in North Dakota, you know, in our schools and all that, like other states do. What we've done is done a good job in saying, you're, you're, as a kid, you're not mature enough to have a child. I think we've got that into their heads. But what we haven't said is, you should be married. Because everybody, we, we all know, once you turn about 18, 19, you think you're mature enough to do anything, right? I mean, we've all been there, and we've, those of us old enough to had kids there. So I think what we've done is we've told them, you need to wait. And mm-hmm. But we haven't taught them, you need to wait and be married. So once they hit their 20s, we have um, a pregnancy problem, with out of wedlock pregnancy problem with 20-year-olds. That's, that's what all the stats say for our pregnancy rates and our abortion rates. Christopher, the we, only ex- that's the explanation I can come up with is we have an emphasized marriage. We, uh, we, we have a minute left, and we're kind of, and one of my questions was, you know, how can we learn more about this campaign and what can we do? And we're actually really talking about some of the what, what, what can we do, right? Um, but any final thoughts or reflections before uh, we need to hit our break? If you want to find out more about the stats, you can go to our website, ndcatholic.org, and, um, and sign up for our newsletter. They'll be going out uh, once a week on this, and we're posting it on our Facebook page and elsewhere and Twitter and so on. And uh, I'm, I'm there to continue to give the information, and we're praying for uh, a good decision from the Supreme Court. Thank you. What does it mean to be a missionary disciple? Is everyone called to do this? We'll be discussing this next on Real Presence Live. 